Philly versus the world, episode 12. John Iliano here. My co-host, Chris Kosky and Drew Bishop are not here today. They are not present. I sent them home just like the Raiders did to their scouts. GM Mike Mayock and head coach John Gruden couldn't trust them anymore. So they sent them home. I couldn't trust Chris and Drew anymore. So I sent them home also. So let's talk about this whole Raiders thing going down here in Oakland. It's a whole debacle going down. And honestly, I know it's not a big deal that they sent their scouts home. And we saw a great analyst for NFL Network named Daniel Jeremiah. He tweeted out and saying, this is a normal thing to do. And he said that when I started scouting in 2003, most teams allowed scouts and coaches to see the draft board. By 2012, most teams only allowed three to four people, head coach, GM, personnel director, slash college director, to have access to the board. This isn't that unusual. And he quoted that tweet from Ian Rappaport when Ian Rappaport broke the news. And Daniel Jeremiah, I guess he brings up a good point, but this has to be eye-opening, at least to Oakland Raiders fans. Because right now, the Oakland Raiders are known as a dysfunctional organization. And once you hear this stuff coming out, you can't help yourself but being worried about it. I mean, it goes back to Al Davis being the owner for so damn long and suing the NFL for his relocation to L.A. or relocation to Oakland. It's just he's been in so much crap with the NFL within himself. And then when he sadly passed away, his son Mark has gone through his own problems with the NFL. And now Mark being the delusional owner that he is, he hired John Gruden to a 10-year contract $100 million and a 2% stake into the Raiders. That is a terrible move. And then, oh, go ahead. Hire John Gruden, a TV personality, a guy who can't keep his mouth shut and just leaks stuff to the media all the time. And then John Gruden fires Reggie McKenzie, the former GM of the Oakland Raiders, and then he hires his best friend, a draft analyst for the NFL Network and Mike Mayock, to be the GM of an actual NFL team. I mean, talk about a dream come true when it comes to Mike Mayock, but good luck to him. This is totally different than TV, as we all know. But if I'm a Raiders fan, I am worried. You have two TV guys running your squad right now, and they can't trust their scouts. They are afraid of their scouts leaking information about the draft to the media. And Gil Brandt, he chimed in on this whole debacle he is a former top executive, or personnel executive, I should say, of the Dallas Cowboys. And he was with the Cowboys for almost to, almost 30 years. And he tweeted out saying, We never cleared the room, but sometimes we'd lay traps for scouts we didn't trust. In 1987, we showed our board to a scout with us taking Mike Junkin, a linebacker we didn't like. Two days later, Cowboys beat writer Jim Dent wrote a story saying the Cowboys were taking Junkin. So I guess that's how Gil Brandt caught their scouts, whether or not they were leaking stuff to the media. And one funny thing, I looked up Mike Junkin, the linebacker that Gil Brandt told the scout that they were going to get in the draft. He ended up going fifth overall in the 1987 NFL draft and became a draft bust. He had an injury-filled career, only played three seasons, two of them with the Browns, then got traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for a fifth-round pick. And he only played five games with the Chiefs and then retired. 
bottom line is, Raiders fans, you've got a lot to worry about. And that stinks because you don't even know who your quarterback is going to be next year. Kyler Murray. Let's talk about Kyler Murray right now. Kyler Murray now, he is projected to go number one overall in a lot of mock drafts. However, Pete Prisco, a draft analyst of CBS Sports, he went on CBS Sports HQ and said, from what I've been told, they, the Arizona Cardinals, are going to go in a different direction. They are not going to draft Kyler Murray. To me, that's total BS. If you're the Arizona Cardinals, you have trouble selling tickets to your own stadium. The University of Phoenix Stadium, it's one of the better ones in the entire NFL. And they have trouble selling tickets. Do you know why? Because there's no hype around their team. This is the most hype that they've gotten in a long time, the Arizona Cardinals, for having the number one overall pick. Yes, they drafted Josh Rosen last year, 10th overall. Yes, they traded up for him. Yes, they gave up a third and a fifth round pick. They invested heavy into Josh Rosen. However, you screwed him over by putting him behind a crappy offensive line, having a 34-year-old wide receiver, given that he's a future Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald, but you did not surround this guy with any players. And then Josh Rosen had a crappy rookie year, and now all of a sudden you had to fire his head coach, Steve Wilkes. I mean, I wasn't really in agreement with them hiring Steve Wilkes in the first place, but you look like a dysfunctional organization. Speaking of them, Oakland Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals, both dysfunctional organizations, but you hire a head coach for one season, and then you fire him, and then you hire a guy in Cliff Kingsbury, a college coach who got fired from Texas Tech football, not the basketball team that was just in March Madness in the last game, the football team of Texas Tech. Texas Tech said, Cliff Kingsbury, you're not good enough for us. But hey, the Arizona Cardinals said, that's all right, Cliff, we'll get you. So now you have Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who's been regarded as a great coach, a great play caller when it comes to the offensive side. Make sure he gets his quarterback then. And his quarterback is Kyler Murray. In October, before he even got the job, this was when he was still at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury said, if I had the number one overall pick, I would draft Kyler Murray. Wow, how things have turned. Cliff Kingsbury gets hired by Arizona. Arizona has the number one overall pick. Kyler Murray, he hires an agent. Guess who has the same agent as him? Cliff Kingsbury. Do you think that's just a coincidence? No. Cliff Kingsbury needs to get Kyler Murray. The Cardinals have the number one overall pick. Kyler Murray decided to skip out on the MLB to go to the NFL to play for Cliff Kingsbury. The Cardinals do not screw this up. Yes, Josh Rosen might be a better quarterback than Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray is a better fit for Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And that's the player you should go with and trade away Josh Rosen. You screwed it up. Last year, you screwed it up, hiring Steve Wilkes and drafting Josh Rosen. Scrap that away. Do not put Josh Rosen in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. That'll be a mistake. Now let's talk about Josh Rosen. I'm a big fan of Josh Rosen. He's a quarterback in last year's draft that I had number one on my board when it came to quarterbacks. Yes, I had him over Baker Mayfield. I had him over Sam Darnold, over Lamar Jackson, over Josh Allen. Because something about Josh Rosen, I can't 
I mean, I can't really identify, but he's just got the it factor where he won't take BS out of anybody. To me, he's a good leader. Not not so much with his words, but he does lead by example. And he's talented, and he understands the game. He's a smart son of a gun. He's got a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people like to compare them and their attitudes. Hey, that's okay. Sometimes a-holes work best. Sometimes you need an a-hole around you in this industry. But Josh Rosen... He's the best quarterback, even in this draft class. Say Josh Rosen was in the 2019 NFL draft class. He is still the best quarterback in this draft. And if teams aren't calling the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, yeah, I probably want to give up a first-round pick because there's a lot of good defensive linemen in this upcoming draft. But at least offer a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. Listen, if you get Josh Rosen, you're going to get a guy who's going to work his ass off. He is pissed off of what's going on in Arizona right now. He was the guy last year, the guy, the franchise, the face of the franchise. And after one lousy season where much of it wasn't his fault, beyond his control, he's getting replaced, most likely. If you get Josh Rosen, he's going to come in pissed off, and he's going to produce for you. He's going to have an extra chip on his shoulder now, and he already carries an extra chip on his shoulder, despite being a privileged kid. So what if he grew up with a lot of money? His family is successful. He's seen what work, what working hard takes, what the reward is for working hard. Yeah, sometimes that doesn't work all the time. But I've seen a lot of cases where parents have shown their kids on how to work hard, how to achieve success. You cannot deny the success that Josh Rosen has had throughout high school, throughout college. I mean, this guy is so successful for whatever he does. He was a top tennis prospect. Not only football, but the game of tennis. Tennis is no joke. I mean, given I don't play the sport, but I've tried it a couple times in gym class back in high school. I was running out of energy real quick. And then it takes a lot of technique. Josh Rosen, it seems like whatever he does, he does well. He does well in school. He graduated early at an institution that's regarded as one of the highest in the entire country in UCLA. Not only are they good in theater, in sports, but almost anything else you could think of. Josh Rosen is a hell of a quarterback, and any team would be lucky to have him. The Arizona Cardinals, they screwed it up. They should have never hired Cliff Kingsbury. Because, honestly, I don't see Cliff Kingsbury working out with Josh Rosen. So now this brings me the question of where should Josh Rosen go? To me, Josh Rosen should go to the Chargers, Patriots, or the Giants. I would hate to see him go to the Giants because, obviously, everyone knows I'm a diehard Eagles fan. And funny thing is, Josh Rosen grew up an Eagles fan. And so that would kind of stink to see him on the Giants. But if the Giants were a smart organization – And speaking of dysfunctional, another team that's dysfunctional, the New York Giants, Dave Gettleman. They are not a good organization. They are not going to be trading for Josh Rosen. I don't even know if they're going to be drafting a quarterback. We'll talk, we'll get to that later. But one of those those teams that I named, even the Redskins could use Josh Rosen. But the teams that I named, they need to go get Josh Rosen. Now, if I'm Josh Rosen, where do I want to go? I want to go to New England. I want to go to LA Chargers. Teams that have had success at the quarterback position. But this is the thing about the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, 
does not like to teach other quarterbacks on how to play the game. Obviously, we know Phil Rivers, a potential Hall of Famer. In my eyes, he's not a Hall of Famer, but that's another story for another day. That's another debate I cannot have right now. But this is why I don't like Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers does not want a potential successor on the team. He's come out and said that, not to the media, but to the L.A. Chargers. To me, that's BS, and it's kind of unfair. But all right, so let's take let's take it to the next team, the New England Patriots. We all know the quarterbacks that they had before: Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo. Those two guys were shipped off because Tom Brady told Robert Kraft, "Oh my God, Robert Kraft, what he's going through right now is crazy too." But he told Robert Kraft, "Bobby, I want to stay here until I'm 45." You have Jimmy Garoppolo here. You have Jacoby Brissett. Go out and go trade him for something that you can get so you can help me on offense. Don't worry. I'll be here. I'll still be performing top level. Robert Kraft, I mean, it seems like he made a good decision because the Patriots just won the Super Bowl. But Robert Kraft told Bill Belichick, hey, man, you got to get these guys out of here. Tom's going to be here for the long term. Given that he's still, given that he's 40 years old, or you got to keep Tom Brady. Given that he's 40 years old, you have to keep Tom Brady. Now, Bill Belichick, the story goes, he was pissed off when he heard this. He invested a second-round pick in Jimmy Garoppolo. He groomed Jimmy Garoppolo to be in his system. And now he has to get rid of him because Tom Brady wanted to stay. So now Bill Belichick pissed off, gave Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers basically for free. All he got in return was a second-round pick for a quarterback right now that's getting paid $137 million. Obviously, he's highly regarded around the league. Now, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm going to go get Josh Rosen for a second-round pick. Maybe I offer the 32nd pick overall in the draft. If that's what it takes, screw it. Because you're not that good at drafting anyway, Bill Belichick. You might as well trade that 32nd overall pick for Josh Rosen. Because it's essentially a second-round pick. I know it's not, ladies and gentlemen. But damn it, 32nd overall pick, pick 47 in the second round, not a big difference. Just go get Josh Rosen, all right? Josh Rosen would be great in New England, working with Bill Belichick. He's got the head, he's got the attitude, and he's got the talent to work Josh McDaniel's system. I think any team that passes on Josh Rosen once again would make a big mistake, especially now with this extra chip on his shoulder. Another interesting storyline that we have in the NFL draft coming this week. The Seattle Seahawks defensive end, who just bust out on the scene this year, became one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He is currently franchise tagged. He'll be getting he'll be getting $15.7 million or something close to $16 million a year being on the franchise tag. Now, Frank Clark, he is not happy about being on the franchise tag, as are a lot of players when they get tagged. Because what happens when you are franchise tagged is that you're not, you are not guaranteed security. You are not guaranteed a long-term contract. And that's what all these players want. That's what they strive for since their high school days. Given that they do make a lot of money, sometimes that's not enough for what they put into their work or put into their craft. So, Frank Clark, he is rumored to be on the trading block. And Seattle, they are... Asking for a first-round pick. Now, according to reports, teams that are interested in Frank Clark 
are the New York Jets, the Indianapolis Colts, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Jets have a high first-round pick, the number three overall pick. They don't have a second-round pick, so they're screwed there. They're out of there. The Jets aren't going to get Frank Clark. Now the Chiefs, they have the 29th overall pick, and they need pass rushers. They got rid of Justin Houston, who was a stud, who was a great player for them for a very long time. And then they got rid of D. Ford. They traded him to the San Francisco 49ers for a second-round pick. They have zero defense already, and they got rid of their best pass rushers. They need to go get Frank Clark. If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, i trade away that 29th overall pick for Frank Clark because we've seen Andy Reid take on players with a rough background. As the case right now with the Kansas City Chiefs, they are dealing with a situation with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill just lost custody of his child. He's going through some crazy BS right now. Before he was drafted in the fifth round in the 2016 NFL draft, Tyreek Hill went through some domestic violence issues. According to reports, he punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach. Despite that, Andy Reid, the former head coach of your Philadelphia Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, he took him in the fifth round and said, I will take Tyreek Hill and I will make him into the superstar that he is today. And so far, it's worked out. However, there is recent reports of him getting in trouble again with his family members, whatever. But we've seen Andy Reid take chances on guys. Eagles fans, you will remember this name. Michael Vick. Andy Reid took on Michael Vick after, after being in prison for two years due to dogfighting. Andy Reid, he took on Terrell Owens, despite only being it for a year and a half. Andy Reid, he's no stranger on taking prospects or players that have a problem off the field. And he's actually worked really well with them. We've seen a turnaround. But however, this is the best part about Frank Clark. Frank Clark was kicked off the football team of Michigan due to some domestic violence issues. But he was still drafted in the second round. The Seahawks pounced on him in the second round and said, we're going to take this guy. We're going to make sure he doesn't get any trouble in our city. I mean, it's Seattle. There's not much to do there. It rains all the time. The best thing to do there is to throw fish. So I guess you can't really get in trouble there. But whatever. That's not. Let's give credit where credit is due. Frank Clark has been not a model citizen, but close to it. The Chiefs should go out there and trade their first-round pick for Frank Clark, because it's going to help them with the pass rush. And to help Patrick Mahomes to maximize his potential, you've got to field a good defense out there. Do we already forget about what the heck killed them in the AFC Championship game last year against the New England Patriots? Their defense. D. Ford lined up offsides. If it weren't for that penalty, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl and possibly Super Bowl champions. The Kansas City Chiefs then fired Bob Sutton, their defensive coordinator. And they hired another former Philadelphia Eagle coach, Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo runs a 4-3 scheme. Where does Frank Clark come from? A 4-3 scheme. The Chiefs need two pass rushers. Frank Clark could fill one of those. 
So Chiefs fans, you should be clamoring, banging the table for your team to grab Frank Clark, a guy who is very productive and a guy who's hungry. But I guess the one downside to Frank Clark is when you do trade for him, if you do trade for him, you're going to have to give him a $100 million contract. Yeah, that's a hefty price. But he's a pass rusher. And Andy Reid understands the philosophy of building a good team. You build them through the trenches. That's why he had so much success in Philadelphia. Yes, he didn't win a Super Bowl. He don't need to remind me. But five NFC championships, one Super Bowl appearance is pretty damn good to me. And I'm sure Chiefs fans would take that all day. Okay, let's take a break from the NFL. Let's get to the NBA playoffs. It's been entertaining so far. I will admit, the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. The 76ers lead the series 3-1. On Saturday, they had a great game. They were down 10 late in the third quarter. And then they came out in the fourth quarter and just stepped it up when they needed to most. There was that big skirmish. With Jared Dudley, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler. At that moment, I knew that was going to propel the Philadelphia 76ers to come out and come back and win this game. They won the game 112 to 108, despite not having Jimmy Butler for an entire quarter, who I think is the leader of this team. As a lot of people would agree with me, I would think. But Joel Embiid. 31 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. The big boy played big time. All right? He came through. Who else came through? Ben Simmons. 7 of 12 shooting. 1 for 1 for one on the free throw line. Hey, I'll take it. 8 rebounds, 8 assists. 15 points. That's a solid game for Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris. The guy who I think needs to get more involved in this offense. A guy who could stretch the floor, as we all know. He went 10 of 20 for 24 points. He went 0 for 4 at the three-point line, but that's all right. The game before that, he was 6 for 6. It's okay. Inconsistency, but they won the game. The shot, the dagger. Mike Scott. For those of you who didn't see the play, it was a missed shot. Joel got the rebound, almost lost the ball, almost went out of bounds. However, he tipped it to Mike Scott in the corner. Mike Scott shot the ball from the three-point line, nailed it. However, once the shot went up, it looked like it was going to go short. I was so worried. that, I mean, once he took the shot, I said to myself, Mike Scott, no! But the ball went in, and that was the game. Philadelphia 76ers won 112 to 108. They are up 3 to 1. They are playing in Philadelphia on Tuesday night to close out the Brooklyn Nets. Hopefully, they don't give up the 3 1 lead that Joel Embiid stupidly mocked that the Warriors gave up in the NBA Finals in 2016 to LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, that's another thing. I love Joel Embiid. However, he talks a little bit too much BS for my liking. I mean, the Warriors aren't even in your conference. You're not even playing against them. Why do you got to take a shot at them? I'm very superstitious. I'm Italian. I was raised to be superstitious. And I know 
a lot of times when people like to talk before the job is done, it bites them in the ass. Now, Joel Embiid came out on Monday and said, oh, it's over. The series is over. You can't be saying that crap, Joel. It's not over until it's over. You better back that up. Because if you don't, if you, the Sixers lose this series being up 3-1 to one, to the Brooklyn Nets, the lousy Nets, the stepbrothers of New York, not the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, a team that had to leave New Jersey because New Jersey's just, all they're worried about is Jersey Shore and whether or not Snooki's going to get another plastic surgery. But damn it, the Philadelphia 76ers better close this one out. Or Brett Brown's going to get fired. And I, I like Brett Brown. I like Brett Brown a lot. They did lose game one in Philadelphia, but it's all right. I have confidence in the 76ers doing this. I have confidence in them closing it out against the Brooklyn Nets. Let's get back to the NFL, more specifically the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, here comes more backlash for Carson Wentz. Undeservingly so, in my opinion. And you'll never guess from who. Maybe you've heard the story already. But former Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb. A player who was my favorite growing up is giving a ton of backlash to Carson Wentz. He is being very disrespectful to the current quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that obviously Donovan McNabb played on for 11 seasons, had a lot of success on, five NFC championships, a Super Bowl appearance. But Donovan, he's proving to be a big, big punk. And he's making T.O. seem a little less crazy, given his comments about Carson Wentz. Now, Donovan McNabb, a couple days ago, was on the Zach Gelb show. Zach Gelb, a former Temple student, a WHIP alumni, great guy, totally give him a listen on CBS Sports. Donovan McNabb had this to say about Carson Wentz. I think in the next two years or so, Wentz has to find a way to get out of the second round of the playoffs. What Nick Foles was able to do to take them in the Super Bowl proved that some people could get in that offense and be very successful. Wentz hasn't been healthy. Wentz hasn't really proven to me besides the year before he got hurt and the first year of really being an MVP candidate. He needs to get back to that mode. I think personally, if you can get out of that second round in the next two, maybe three years, really two years to be honest with you, if they can't get out of the second round, they should look to possibly draft another quarterback because you just don't know about his durability. Now, Donovan McNabb, he is a player since his arrival to Philadelphia. Has not been very well liked. And I've always defended him. I've defended him to its core. I even have his jersey hung up in my bedroom. I've got a bunch of posters of Donovan McNabb. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot defend Donovan McNabb. He looks like a total jackass. What are you doing criticizing Carson Wentz? I mean, are you that much of an insecure prick to insult, to disrespect a current star in the city where you spent a lot of your, most of your career? A city that has given you so much money for you to feed your family. You're going to disrespect this guy because, oh, because I'm Ken, because I'm Donovan McNabb. Listen, if it was a, a different quarterback who didn't play for the Philadelphia Eagles, these com- and he said these comments, there wouldn't be that much backlash. But Donovan, you got to understand, you're already not respected in this city. And I hate that you're not respected. 
because of all the success, all the joy, all the great memories that you brought to this city, the city of brotherly love. But I cannot defend you on this, my man. Lane Johnson, the right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. I commend Lane. He came in defense of his quarterback, Carson Wentz. On Twitter, he tagged McNabb and and just put six snake emojis and said, and you wonder why, at Donovan McNabb, and you wonder why nobody respects you when you come back. That is a big statement, ladies and gentlemen. Lane Johnson, he gives no Fs about whether or not he needs to offend somebody, especially when it comes to his quarterback. Not only does he protect him on the field, he's got to protect him off the field, and I commend him for it. Lane Johnson went on 94 WIP and said, this is what I meant. Every training camp, we have all these ex-players come and shake our hands, wish us good luck. Then they go out and just talk hate. I feel that there's a lot of envy, jealousy, and I see a lot of fakery. It isn't just me. A lot of other teammates see it too. You would think the best quarterback in franchise history would try to build up a young man that looks up to him instead of always criticizing him, critiquing him, and wishing he would fail so he could be the missing link and feel better about himself. This is what I don't like, Lane Johnson said. I'm not a guy that thinks I have it all figured out. I have many problems as well, but I get tired of all the fakery, to be honest with you. And I am with Lane Johnson here. Think about it. Donovan McNabb had almost anything he wanted here in Philadelphia. He needed wide receivers. He got them. He got a Hall of Fame wide receiver in Terrell Owens. He screwed that up too. Honestly, I thought it was all T.O. I thought McNabb had almost no fault in that whole T.O. debacle. But, man, T.O. looks like a better man today after McNabb's comments. It just doesn't make any sense. Why? Like, McNabb, you've got to be happy about Carson Wentz and the success that he's brought to the city but no, McNabb, he's very passive-aggressive. And he's being a prick right now, disrespecting Carson Wentz. And I just don't appreciate that. Like, you cannot be saying those things, man. It is just, it's just not cool. Carson Wentz brings so much excitement to the city. He brought football back to Philadelphia. Yes, he didn't win us the Super Bowl, but he was a big reason why the Philadelphia Eagles won their first Super Bowl. And I bet that pissed off McNabb. Because McNabb had a lot of opportunities to win this city's its first championship, but he never came through. I hate to say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan McNabb was rooting against the Eagles in that Super Bowl. Just a thought. I'm not saying it's a fact. Obviously, I don't know Donovan, but I just wouldn't be surprised. Because obviously, he is jealous of Carson Wentz. Even during the pre-draft process in 2016, everyone knew. This is when the Eagles traded up to the number two overall pick. Everyone knew the Eagles were going to draft Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. Donovan was criticizing Carson Wentz like no other, saying, oh, he went to a small school in North Dakota State. Uh, He's injury prone. Yes, he's injury prone. I get it. But I don't know if he's going to have a lot of success in Philadelphia. I don't know if he can handle the fans here in Philadelphia. Well, damn it, Donovan, you didn't handle the fans that great either. Just shut your pie hole and be aware of what your comments could do. Beware, be aware of the consequences of your actions. What am I, your parent? You're 40-something years old. 
You better, you know damn well by now, the comments that you make about the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be in a big spotlight, especially if you're criticizing its most beloved player. It's ridiculous. Lane Johnson obviously came in defense of Carson Wentz when that stupid article by Joe Santa by Joe Santo Tequito, however you pronounce his stupid last name, the Philly Voice article, criticized Carson Wentz saying he's not a good leader, all these stupid quotes about him being a bad teammate, all that stuff. We all know about it. I'm just saying it's great to see Lane Johnson come in defense once again for his quarterback. And it shows that the team still believes in the franchise quarterback that is Carson Wentz, and I do too. Ooh. However, I just did get a notification that McNabb has come out and tweeted stuff about this whole situation with Carson Wentz. Let me get that to you real quick. All right, so Don McNabb tweeted this out not too long ago, his comments about Carson Wentz. For those of you who misread, didn't understand, were confused, or just didn't like my comments, let me clarify it for you. Let me start by saying there's no beef, riff, or ill will toward Carson Wentz or the Eagles. He tagged Carson Wentz. My comments were strictly based off of experience and understanding of how the business of football works. You are consistently evaluated every day, every game, if you are reliable and or healthy enough to play. I know at times as players and fans it can be confusing to move on from a beloved player, but due to the business of health and trust, tough decisions are usually made. Maybe people just didn't like it because it's coming from me or I answered a question from one of the talents on the radio the way you didn't agree with. If that's how you feel, I'm sorry. You feel that way. It's the nature of the game. Well, Donovan, there you go again. You showed that you're a jackass. I, I don't understand how you can make this worse, but you just continue to do so. And if Donovan McNabb is seen in this city. He's going, to get, he's going to be getting a lot more booze than he did on draft day. Now let's get to a particular topic that has never been discussed on Philly versus the world. However, with Chris and Drew not here, I'm going to talk about it. I have the freedom to do so. Game of Thrones, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is a sports podcast, but damn it, I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones because guess what? It's almost as great as sports. I did say almost, so calm down. Game of Thrones is almost as good as sports. I love Game of Thrones, obviously. Why else would I be talking about it on the podcast? But this latest episode, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to be spoiling it for you. So right now, kill the podcast. I'm going. There are spoilers here. There's your warning. Yesterday, or this is Monday, so Sunday, Sunday night, Game of Thrones came out with Season 8, Episode 2, once again, great work by the creators of Game of Thrones. They are setting up for a badass battle that's going to happen maybe in the next episode. I hope so. I think so. However, there's a couple questions. What the heck is going to happen after the fight, after the battle? Is there even an aftermath? In the beginning of season eight, or before, prior to season eight, I made a prediction of nobody's going to win the throne. I think everybody just dies. Because this is the way Game of Thrones, the creators of Game of Thrones, 
they like to keep their audience, we all know this, on cliffhangers. They like to throw curveballs at them and do the unexpected. Everybody expects Jon Snow and Khaleesi to come together and get the throne because now, if you haven't known by now, or unless you live under a rock, you know that Jon Snow is Aegon Targaryen, the true heir to the throne. Now, finally, everyone knows, or not everyone, the, the important people know that John is Aegon Targaryen, the, heir, the rightful heir to the throne. And in the latest episode, John told Khaleesi, and obviously Khaleesi didn't believe it at first, but I think she obviously believed it now. She's probably pissed off. I mean, I would be too. Think about it. You're going after a throne for so damn long, and now all of a sudden, the guy you've been doing the hanky-panky with, basically your nephew, is the true heir to the throne, and you're really nothing until John dies. I don't know what the heck is going to happen next. And that's what I love about Game of Thrones, and I'm sure that's why a lot of you love Game of Thrones. However, I just got to say, the best line in that show, the best line, in the latest episode of Game of Thrones was when Tyrion was walking with Jamie and they were talking about Cersei. And Tyrion said to Jamie, She never fooled you. You always knew exactly who she was and you loved her anyway. Once again, Tyrion just knows what the heck to say. I love it. And that was because Cersei didn't send her troops, she didn't send an army. She actually did a little hanky-panky with Euron Greyjoy. And she's pregnant already. So I don't know what the heck is going to happen there. But I have a little bit of a bold prediction. I do think when the fighting does start, I'm probably going to be way wrong here. Because so far, all of my predictions this throughout all the time that I've watched Game of Thrones has been wrong. I think Cersei does eventually send her troops because she loves Jaime. She's not going to let Jaime die to the White Walkers, I do think she does send the troops. So let's all calm down there. But guys, that's it. I can only talk about Game of Thrones for a couple minutes or else I might get fired. That's not true. But I can only talk about Game of Thrones for only a little bit. So that is the show. Philly versus the world, episode 12. Thanks for listening. Guys, one last thing. This upcoming Thursday is the NFL Draft, the best day of the year, in my opinion. WHIP, Philly versus the World are coming together, and we are hosting a live broadcast at a bar right off the campus of Temple University called The Draft Horse. So we're doing The Draft at The Draft Horse. Come join us. The party starts at 7 o'clock. We'll have plenty of specials on beer. There's 75-cent wings. It's going to be a great time. Come join me, John Iliano, Chris Kosky, Drew Bishop, Jimmy Freeze. We're going to have a bunch of people there. We're going to take fans' reactions to their team's picks. It's going to be a fun time because the draft, it's always entertaining. It's more dramatic than Game of Thrones. Yes, I said it. I love the NFL draft. But please come out and join us. Support kids that are trying to make it in this industry. And thank you for listening to Philly vs. the World. This is John Iliano signing off.